Section fifty five of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part fifty five. Of the Street Sellers of Manufactured Articles. These traders consist of one, the vendors of metal articles, two, of chemical articles, three, of china, glass, and stone articles, four, of linen, cotton, and other textile fabrics, and five of miscellaneous articles. In this classification I do not include second-hand articles, nor yet the traffic of those who make the articles they sell, and who are indeed street artisans rather than street sellers. Under the first head are included the vendors of razors, table and pen knives, tea-trays, dog-collars, key-rings, articles of hardware, small coins and medals, pins and needles, jewellery, snuffers, candlesticks, articles of tinware, tools, card-counters, herring-toasters, trivets, gridirons, pans, tray-stands, as in the roasting of meat, and Dutch ovens. Of the second description are the vendors of blacking, black-lead, lucifer matches, corn-salves, grease-removing compositions, china and glass cements, plating balls, rat and beetle poisons, crackers, detonating balls, and cigar lights. Under the third head come all street-sold articles of china, glass, or stone manufacture, including not only crockery but vases, chimney ornaments, and stone fruit. The fourth head presents the street-vending of cotton, silken, and linen manufactures, such as sheetings, shirtings, a variety of laces, sewing cotton, threads and tapes, articles of haberdashery and of millinery, artificial flowers, handkerchiefs, and pretended smuggled goods. Among the fifth class, or the miscellaneous street-sellers, are those who vend cigars, pipes, tobacco and snuff-boxes and cigar-cases, accordions, spectacles, hats, sponge, combs and hair-brushes, shirt-buttons and coat-studs, lots, rhubarb, wash-leather, paper-hangings, dolls, bristol and other toys, sawdust, firewood, and pincushions. There are many other manufactured articles sold in the streets, but their description will be more proper under the head of street artisans. The street sellers of manufactured articles present, as a body, so many and often such varying characteristics that I cannot offer to give a description of them as a whole, as I have been able to do with other and less diversified classes. Among them are several distinct and peculiar street characters, such as the packmen, who carry their cotton or linen goods in packs on their backs and are all itinerants. Then there are duffers, who vend pretended smuggled goods, handkerchiefs, silks, tobacco or cigars also the sellers of sham sovereigns and sham gold rings for wages the crockery ware and glass sellers known in the street trade as crocks are peculiar from their principle of bartering they will sell to any one but they sell very rarely and always clamour in preference for an exchange of their wares for wearing apparel of any kind they state if questioned that their reason for doing this is at least I heard the statement from some of the most intelligent among them, that they do so because, if they sold outright, they required a hawker's license, and could not sell or swap so cheap. Some of the street sellers of manufactured articles are also patterers. Among these are the 
cheap jacks or cheap johns the grease and stain removers the corn salve and plate ball vendors the sellers of sovereigns and rings for wagers a portion of the lot sellers and the men who vend poison for vermin and go about the streets with live rats clinging to or running about their persons this class of street sellers also includes many of the very old and the very young the diseased crippled maimed and blind these poor creatures sell and sometimes obtain a charitable penny by offering to sell such things as boxes of lucifer matches cakes of blacking boot stay and other laces pins and sewing and knitting needles tapes cotton bobbins garters pincushions combs nutmeg graters metal skewers and meat hooks hooks and eyes and shirt buttons the rest of the class may be described as merely street sellers toiling struggling plodding itinerant tradesmen of the street sellers of manufactured articles in metal these street sellers are less numerous than might be imagined when according to my present division the class is confined to the sellers of articles which they do not manufacture the metalwares thus sold i have already enumerated and i have now to describe the characteristics of the sellers the result of my inquiries leads me to the conclusion that the street vendors of any article which is the product of the skill of the handicraftsman have been almost always in their first outset in a street life connected in some capacity or other with the trade the manufactures of which they vend one elderly man long familiar with this branch of the street trade expressed to me his conviction that when a mechanic sought his livelihood in the streets he naturally gave his mind to sell what he understood now in my own case continued my informant i was born and bred a tin man and when i was driven to a street life i never thought of selling anything but tins how could i if i wished to do the thing square and proper it would be like trying to speak another language if i'd started on slippers and i knew a poor man who was set up in the streets by a charitable lady on a stock of gentlemen's slippers what could i have done why no better than he told me he did he was a potter down at deptford and knew of nothing but flower-pots and honey-jars for grocers and them red sorts of pottery poor fellow he might have died of hunger only the cholera came quickest but when i'm questioned about my tins i'm my own man and it's a great thing i'm satisfied in a street trade when there's so many cheap shops and the police and all again you to understand the goods you're talking about this statement i may repeat is undoubtedly correct so far as that a beaten-out mechanic when driven to the streets in the first instance offers to the public wares of which he understands the value and quality afterwards in the experience or vagaries of a street life other commodities may be or may appear to be more remunerative and for such the mechanic may relinquish his first articles of street traffic why sir i was told there was one man who left razors for cabbages cause one day a costermonger what lived in the same house with him and was taken ill asked him to go out with a barrow of summer cabbages the costermonger's boy went with him and they went off so well that joe the former razor seller managed to start in the costering line he was so encouraged the street trade in metal manufactured articles is principally itinerant perhaps during the week upwards of three-fourths of those carrying it on are itinerant while on a saturday night perhaps all are stationary and almost always in the street markets 
the itinerant trade is carried on and chiefly in the suburbs by men women and children but the children are always or almost always the offspring of the adult street sellers the metal sold in the street may be divided into street hardware street tinware and street jewellery i shall begin with the former the street sellers of hardware are i am assured in number about one hundred including single men and families for women take their share in the business and children sell smaller things such as snuffers or bread baskets the people pursuing the trade are of the class i have above described with the exception of some ten or twelve who formerly made a living as servants to the gaming booths at epsom ascot and so on and so on and managed to live out of the races somehow most of the year since the gaming booths have been disallowed they have taken to the street hardware all these street sellers obtain their supplies at the swag shops of which i shall speak hereafter the main articles of their trade are tea-boards waiters snuffers candlesticks bread-baskets cheese-trays britannia metal teapots and spoons iron kettles pans and coffee-pots the most saleable things, I am told, by a man who has been fifteen years in this and similar street trades, are at present eighteen-inch tea-boards, bought at the swags at from ten shillings and sixpence a dozen to four shillings each, twenty-four-inch boards from twenty shillings a dozen to five shillings each, bread-baskets four shillings and sixpence a dozen, and Britannia metal teapots ten shillings a dozen. These teapots have generally what is called loaded bottoms the lower part of the vessel is filled with composition so as to look as if there was great weight of metal and as if the pot would melt for almost the eighteen pence which is asked for it and very often got i learned from the same man however and from others in the trade that it is far more difficult now than it was a few years ago to sell rubbish there used to be also but not within these six or eight years a tolerable profit realized by the street sellers of hardware in the way of swap it was common to take an old metal article as part payment for a new one and if the old article were of good quality it was polished and tinkered up for sale in the saturday evening street markets and often went off well this traffic however has almost ceased to exist as regards the street sellers of hardware and has been all but monopolized by the men who barter crocks for wearing apparel or any old metal some hardware men who have become well known on their rounds for the principal trade is in the suburbs sell very good wares and at moderate profits it's a poor trade sir is the hardware said one man carrying it on and street trades are mostly poor trades for i've tried many a one of them i was brought up a clown i may say my father died when i was a child and i might have been a clown still but for an accident a rupture that's long ago i can't say how long but i know that before i was fifteen i many a time wished i was dead and i have many a time since why the day before yesterday from nine in the morning to eleven at night i didn't take a farthing some days i don't earn a shilling and i have a mother depending on me who can do little or nothing i'm a teetotaler if i wasn't we shouldn't have a meal a day I never was fond of drink, and if I'm ever so weary and out of sorts and worried for a meal's meat, I can't say I ever long for a drop to cheer me up. Sometimes I can't get coffee, let alone anything else. Oh, I suffer terribly. Day after day I get wet through and have nothing to take home to my mother at last. Our principal food is bread and butter and tea. 
not fish half so often as many poor people i suppose because we don't care for it i know that our living the two of us stands to less than one shilling a day not sixpence apiece then i have two rents to pay no sir not for two places but i pay two shillings a week for a room a tidy bit of a chamber furnished and one shilling a week rent i call it rent for a loan of five shillings i've paid a shilling a week for four weeks on it and must keep paying until i can hand over the five shillings with one shilling for rent added to it all in one sum if i could tip up the five shillings the day after i'd paid the last week's one shilling i must pay another shilling the man who lends does nothing else he lives by lending and by letting out a few barrows to costermongers and other street people i wish i could take a farewell sight of them the principal traffic carried on by these street sellers is in the suburbs women constitute their sole customers or nearly so their profits fluctuate from twenty per cent to one hundred per cent the bread baskets which they buy at four shillings and sixpence the dozen they retail at sixpence each for it is very difficult i have frequently been told to get a price between sixpence and one shilling this however relates only to those things which are not articles of actual necessity half of these street sellers i am assured take on an average from twenty shillings to twenty-five shillings weekly the year through a quarter take fifteen shillings and the remaining quarter from seven shillings and sixpence to ten shillings calculating an average taking of fifteen shillings each per week throughout the entire class men women and children we find three thousand nine hundred pounds expended in street sold hardwares ten years ago i am told the takings were not less than two thousand pounds the following is an extract from accounts kept not long ago by a street seller of hardware his principal sale was snuffers knives and forks iron candlesticks padlocks and bed screws his stock cost him thirty-five shillings on the monday morning and his first week was his best which i here subjoin monday receipts eight shillings profits three shillings no pence tuesday receipts five shillings profits two shillings and threepence wednesday receipts four shillings profits one shilling and sixpence thursday always a slack day receipts three shillings profits none friday a better day about the docks when people are paid receipts seven shillings profits three shillings saturday morning and evening receipts twenty-three shillings profits six shillings one penny total receipts fifty shillings profits fifteen shillings and ten pence the following is the worst week in the account books the street seller after this about half a year ago sold his stock to a small shopkeeper and went into another business monday very cold a common bed screw receipts no shillings four pence profits no shillings a penny farthing tuesday no receipts no profits wednesday receipts one shilling no pence profits no shillings five pence thursday sold cheap receipts one shilling one penny profits no shillings three pence friday no receipts no profits saturday receipts one shilling and seven pence profits no shillings and eight pence total receipts four shillings no pence one shilling and fivepence farthing of the cheap johns or street hand sellers this class of street salesmen who are perhaps the largest dealers of all in hardware 
are not so numerous as they were some few years ago the excise laws as i have before remarked having interfered with their business the principal portion of those i have met are irishmen who notwithstanding generally hail from sheffield and all their sales are effected in an attempt at the yorkshire dialect interspersed however with an unmistakable brogue the brogue is the more apparent when cheap john gets a little out of temper if his sails are flat for instance he'll say by j s i don't believe you've any money with you or that you've lift any at home at all at all bad cess to you there are however many english cheap johns but few of them are natives of sheffield or birmingham from which towns they invariably hail their system of selling is to attract a crowd of persons by an harangue after the following fashion here i am the original cheap john from sheffield i've not come here to get money not i i've come here merely for the good of the public and to let you see how you've been imposed upon by a parcel of pompous shopkeepers who are not content with less than one hundred per cent for rubbish they got up a petition which i haven't time to read to you just now offering me a large sum of money to keep away from here but no i had too much friendship for you to consent and here i am cheap john born without a shirt one day while my mother was out in a haystack consequently i've no parish for the cows eat up mine and therefore i've never no fear of going to the workhouse i've more money than the parson of the parish i've in this cart a cargo of useful and cheap goods can supply you with anything from a needle to an anchor nobody can sell as cheap as me seeing that i gets all my goods upon credit and never means to pay for them now then what shall we begin with here's a beautiful guard chain if it isn't silver it's the same colour i don't say it isn't silver nor i don't say it is in that affair use your own judgment now in the regular way of trade you shall go into any shop in town and they will ask you one pound eighteen shillings and sixpence for an article not half so good so what will you say for this splendid chain eighteen and sixpence without the pound what that's too much well then say seventeen sixteen fifteen fourteen thirteen twelve eleven ten shillings what none of you give ten shillings for this beautiful article see how it improves a man's appearance hanging the chain round his neck any young man here present wearing this chain will always be shown into the parlour instead of the tap-room into the best pew in church when he and but the advantages the purchaser of this chain will possess i haven't time to tell what no buyers why what's the matter with you have you no money or no brains but i'll ruin myself for your sakes say nine shillings for this splendid piece of jewellery eight seven six five four three two one a shilling will anybody give a shilling well here elevenpence tenpence ninepence eightpence sevenpence sixpence halfpenny sixpence is there ever a buyer at sixpence now i'll ask no more and i'll take no less sell it or never sell it the concluding words are spoken with peculiar emphasis and after saying them the cheap john never takes any lower sum a customer perhaps is soon obtained for the guard chain and then the vendor elevates his voice sold to a very respectable gentleman with his mouth between his nose and chin a most remarkable circumstance i believe i've just one more this is better than the last i must have a shilling for this sixpence to you sir sold again to a gentleman worth thirty thousand pounds a year only the right owner keeps him out of it i believe i've just one more yes here it is it's brighterer 
longerer strongerer and betterer than the last i must have at least tenpence for this well then nine eight seven six take this one for a sixpence sold again to a gentleman his father's pet and his mother's joy pray sir does your mother know you're out well i don't think of any more but i'll look yes here is one more now this is better than all the rest sold again to a most respectable gentleman whose mother keeps a chandler's shop and whose father turns the mangle in this manner the cheap john continues to sell his guard chain until he has drained his last customer for that particular commodity he has always his remark to make relative to the purchaser the cheap john always takes care to receive payment before he hazards his jokes which i need scarcely remark are ready-made and most of them ancient and worn threadbare the joint property of the whole fraternity of cheap johns after supplying his audience with one particular article he introduces another here is a carving knife and fork none of your wasters capital buckhorn handle manufactured of the best steel in a regular workmanlike manner fit for carving in the best style from a sparrow to a bullock i don't ask seven shillings and sixpence for this although go over to mr blank the ironmonger and he will have the impudence to ask you fifteen shillings for a worse article the cheap johns always make comparisons as to their own prices and the shopkeepers and sometimes mention their names i say five shillings for the carving knife and fork why it's an article that'll almost fill your children's bellies by looking at it and will always make one pound of beef go as far as six pounds carved by any other knife and fork well four shillings three shillings two shillings one shilling and elevenpence one shilling and tenpence one shilling and ninepence one shilling and eightpence one shilling and sevenpence eighteen pence i ask no more nor i'll take no less the salesman throughout his variety of articles indulges in the same jokes and holds out the same inducements i give a few this is the original teapot producing one formerly invented by the chinese the first that ever was imported by those celebrated people only two of them came over in three ships if i do not sell this to-day i intend presenting it to the british museum or the great exhibition it is mostly used for making tea sometimes by ladies for keeping a little drop on the sly it is an article constructed upon scientific principles considered to require a lesser quantity of tea to manufacture the largest quantity of tea water than any other teapot now in use largely patronized by the teetotalers now here's a fine pair of bellows any of you want to raise the wind this is a capital opportunity if you'll try i'll tell you how buy these of me for three shillings and sixpence and go and pawn them for seven shillings will you buy em sir no well then you be blowed let's see i said three shillings and sixpence it's too little but as i've said it they must go well three shillings and so on and so on capital article to chastise the children or a drunken husband well take em for a shilling i ask no more and i'll take no less these men have several articles which they sell singly such as tea-trays copper kettles fire-irons guns whips to all of which they have some preamble but their most attractive lot is a heap of miscellaneous articles i have here a pair of scissors i only want half a crown for them what you won't give a shilling well i'll add something else here's a most useful article a knife with eight blades and there's not a blade among you all that's more highly polished 
this knife's a case of instruments in addition to the blades here's a corkscrew a button-hook a file and a picker for this capital knife and first-rate pair of scissors i ask one shilling well well you've no more conscience than a lawyer here's something else a pocket-book this book no gentleman should be without it contains a diary for every day in the week an almanac a ready reckoner a tablet for your own memorandums pockets to keep your papers and a splendid pencil with a silver top no buyers i'm astonished but i'll add another article here's a pocket comb no young man with any sense of decency should be without a pocket comb what looks worse than to see a man's head in an uproar some of you look as if your hair hadn't seen a comb for years surely i shall get a customer now what no buyers well i never here i'll add half a dozen of the very best britannia metal teaspoons and if you don't buy you must be spoons yourselves why you perfectly astonish me i really believe if i was to offer all in the shop myself included i should not draw one shilling out of you well i'll try again here i'll add a dozen of black lead pencils now then look at these articles he spreads them out holding them between his fingers to the best advantage here's a pair of first-rate scissors that will almost cut of themselves this valuable knife which comprises within itself almost a chest of tools a splendid pocket-book which must add to the respectability and consequence of any man who wears it a pocket-comb which possesses the peculiar property of making the hair curl and dyeing it any colour you wish a half-dozen spoons nothing inferior to silver and that do not require half the usual quantity of sugar to sweeten your tea and a dozen beautiful pencils at least worth the money i ask for the whole lot now a reasonable price for these articles would be at least ten shillings and sixpence i'll sell them for a shilling i ask no more i'll take no less sold again the opposition these men display to each other while pursuing their business is mostly assumed for the purpose of attracting a crowd sometimes when in earnest their language is disgusting and i have seen them says an informant after selling try and settle their differences with a game at fisticuffs but this occurred but seldom one of these men had a wife who used to sell for him she was considered to be the best chaffer on the road not one of them could stand against her tongue but her language abounded with obscenity all the cheap johns were afraid of her they never undersell each other unless they get in a real passion this but seldom happens but when it does they are exceedingly bitter against each other i cannot state the language they use further than that it reaches the very summit of blackguardism they have however assumed quarrels for the purpose of holding a crowd together and chaff goes round intended to amuse their expected customers he's coming your way to-morrow they'll say one of the other mind and don't hang your husband's shirts to dry ladies he's very lucky at finding things before they're lost he sells very cheap no doubt but mind if you handle any of his wares he don't make you a present of a scotch fiddle for nothing his hair looks as if it had been cut with a knife and fork the irishmen in these displays generally have the best of it indeed most of their jokes have originated with the irishmen who complain of the piracies of other cheap johns for as soon as the joke is uttered it is the property of the commonwealth and not unfrequently used against the inventor half an hour after its first appearance a few of them are not over particular as to the respectability of their transactions 
I recollect one purchasing a brick at Sheffield. The brick was packed up in paper, with a knife tied on the outside. It appeared like a package of knives containing several dozens. The cheap John made out that he bought them as stolen property. The biter was deservedly bitten. A few of the fraternity are well-known fences, and some of them pursue the double calling of cheap John and gambler, keeping gambling tables at races. However, the majority are hard-working men who unite untiring industry with the most indomitable perseverance for the laudable purpose of bettering their condition. I believe the most successful in the line have worked their way up from nothing, gaining experience as they proceeded. I have known two or three start the trade with plenty of stock, but wanting the tact, they have soon been knocked off the road. There is a great deal of judgment required in knowing the best fares, and even when there, as to getting a good stand, and these matters are to be acquired only by practice. In the provinces and in Scotland, there may be one hundred cheap johns, or, as they term themselves, hand-sellers. They are generally a most persevering body of men, and have frequently risen from small hawkers of belts, braces, and so on. Their receipts are from five pounds to thirty pounds per day, their profits from twenty to twenty-five per cent. Twenty pounds is considered a good day's work, and they can take about three fares a week during the summer months. I have known many of these men, a man well acquainted with them informs me, who would walk twenty miles to a fair during the night, hawk the public houses the whole of the day, and start again all night for a fair to be held twenty miles off upon the following day. I knew two Irish lads named blank, and I watched their progress with some interest. Each had a stock of goods worth a few shillings, and now each has a wholesale warehouse, one at Sheffield in the cutlery line, and the other at Birmingham in general wares. The goods the hand-seller disposes of are mostly purchased at Sheffield and Birmingham. They purchase the cheapest goods they can obtain. Many of the hand-sellers have settled in various parts of England as swag-shopkeepers. There are two or three in London, I am told, who have done so. One in the Kent Road, a large concern. The others I am not aware of their locality. Their mode of living while travelling is rather peculiar. Those who have their caravans sleep in them, some with their wives and families. They have a man, or more generally a boy, to look after the horse and other drudgery, and sometimes at a fair to hawk, or act as a button, a decoy, to purchase the first lot of goods put up. This boy is accommodated with a bed made between the wheels of the cart or wagon, with some old canvas hung round to keep the weather out. Not the most comfortable quarters, perhaps, but, as they say, it's nothing when you're used to it. The packing up occurs when there's no more chance of effecting sales. The horse is put to, and the caravan proceeds on the road towards the next town intended to visit. After a sufficient day's travel, the cheap John looks out for a spot to encamp for the night. A clear stream of water and provender for the horse are indispensable, or perhaps the hand-seller has visited that part before, and is aware of the halting place. After having released the horse and secured his forefeet, so that he cannot stray, the next process is to look for some crack, note, some dry wood to light a fire, end note. This is the boy's work. He is told not to despoil hedges or damage fences. Cheap John doesn't wish to offend the farmers, and during his temporary sojourn in the green lanes, 
he frequently has some friendly chat with the yeomen and their servants sometimes disposes of goods and often barters for a piece of fat bacon or potatoes a fire is lighted between the shafts of the cart a stick placed across upon which is suspended the cookery utensil when the meal is concluded the parties retire to bed the master within the caravan and the boy to his chamber between the wheels sometimes they breakfast before they proceed on their journey at other times they travel a few miles first those who have children bring them up in such a manner as may be imagined considering their itinerant life but there are very few who have families travelling with them though in most cases a wife generally the children of the cheap john are stationary either out at nurse or with relatives some of the cheap johns have wagons upon four wheels others have carts but both are fitted up with a wooden roof the proprietor invariably sleeps within his portable house both for the protection of his property and also upon the score of economy the vans with four wheels answer all the purposes of a habitation the furniture consists of a bed placed upon boxes containing the stock in trade the bed extends the whole width of the vehicle about six foot six inches and many generally extend about five foot into the body of the van and occupies the farthest end of the machine from the door which door opens out upon the horse the four-wheeled vans are twelve foot long and the two-wheeled carts nine foot during business hours the whole of the articles most likely to be wanted are spread out upon the bed and the assistant either the wife or a boy hands them out as the salesman may require them the furniture in addition to the bed is very scarce indeed they are very much averse to carry more than is really necessary the pail the horse takes his corn and beans from i don't know why but they never use nose-bags serves the purpose of a wash-hand basin or a washing-tub it is generally painted the same colour as the van with the initials of the proprietor painted upon it and when travelling hangs upon a hook under the machine they mostly begin with a two-wheeled machine and if successful a four-wheeler follows the tables and chairs are the boxes in which the goods are packed a tea-kettle and saucepan and as few delf articles as possible and corner cupboard and these comprise the whole of the furniture of the van in the four-wheeled wagons there is always a fireplace similar to those the captains of ships have in their cabins but in the two-wheeled carts fireplaces are dispensed with these are mostly brass ones and are kept very bright for the cheap johns are proud of their van and its contents they are always gaudily painted sometimes expensively indeed they are most expensive articles and cost from eighty pounds to one hundred and twenty pounds the principal person for making these machines is a mr davidson of leeds the showmen's caravans are still more expensive the last purchased by the late mr woomwell cost more than three hundred pounds and is really a curiosity he termed it as all showmen do the living wagon namely to live in it has parlour and kitchen and is fitted up most handsomely its exterior presents the appearance of a first-class railway carriage the front exterior of the van during the trading operations of the cheap johns is hung round with guns saws tea-trays bridles whips centre-bits and other articles displayed to the best advantage the name of the proprietor is always prominently displayed along the whole side of the vehicle 
added to which is a signification that he is a wholesale hardware man from sheffield yorkshire or birmingham warwickshire and sometimes an extra announcement the original cheap john i do not know any class of men who are more fond of the good things of this life than cheap john his dinner during a fair is generally eaten upon the platform outside his van where he disposes of his wares and invariably consists of a joint of baked meat and potatoes that is where they can get a dinner baked as little time as possible is occupied in eating especially if trade is good at a hill fair that is where the fair is held upon a hill away from a town a fire is made behind the cart the pot is suspended upon three sticks and dinner prepared in the usual camp fashion the wife or boy superintends this tea and coffee also generally find their way to their table and if there's no cold meat a plentiful supply of bacon beefsteaks eggs or something in the shape of a relish seem to be with cheap john indispensable his man or boy if john is unmarried appears to be upon an equality with the master in the eating department he is not allowanced neither has he to wait until his superior has finished get it over as quick as you can seems to be the chief object perhaps from the circumstance of their selling guns and consequently always having such implements in their possession these men when they have time on their hands are fond of the sports of the field and many a hare finds its way into the camp kettle of cheap john i need not say that they practise this sport with but little respectful feeling towards the game laws but they are careful when indulging in such amusement and i never heard of one getting into a hobble during the winter since the cheap john has been obliged to become a licensed auctioneer some of them take shops and sell their goods by auction or get up mock auctions i have been told by them that sometimes it's a better game than hand selling the commencement of the cheap john's season is at lynn in norfolk there is a mart there commencing the fourteenth of february it continues fourteen days after this there is wisbeach spalding grantham and other marts in norfolk and lincolnshire which brings them up to easter at easter there are many fairs manchester knot mill blackburn darlington newcastle and so on and so on the cheap johns then disperse themselves through different parts of the country hill fairs are considered the best that is cattle fairs where there are plenty of farmers and country people hirings for servants are next to them it may appear curious but sheffield and birmingham fairs are two of the best for the cheap john's business in england there are two fairs at each place during the year sheffield at whitsuntide and november birmingham whitsuntide and september nottingham derby leeds newcastle bristol glasgow in fact where the greatest population is the chances for business are considered the best and if i may judge from the number of traders in this line who attend the largest towns i should say they succeed better than in smaller towns if we calculate that there are one hundred cheap johns in london and in the country and they are more or less itinerant and that they each take four pounds per day for nine months in the year or twenty four pounds per week this amounts to two thousand four hundred pounds per week or about ninety thousand pounds in nine months supposing their profits to be twenty per cent it would leave eighteen thousand pounds clear income 
Say that during the winter there are 75 following the business, and that their receipts amount to £15 each per week. This amounts to £3,500 additional, and at the rate of 20% profit comes to £700, making throughout the year the profits of the 100 cheap johns £25,000 or £250 a man. The cheap johns seldom frequent the crowded thoroughfares of London. Their usual pitches in the metropolis are King's Cross, St. George's in the East, Stepney, round about the London docks, Paddington, Kennington, and such like places. End of section 55